Welcome, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Money Talks Podcast. I am your host, Doe Dubes, a.k.a. A.R. Morton, and we are live, coming together again for episode four, entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is very important for a number of reasons. Number one, for most people, or at least most people that I know and most people that I've been reading about and I get inspiration from and the people that I build with, they don't really want to be tied down to a job or working for somebody else for the rest of their lives. Now, there are plenty of people out there who enjoy job security. They love being an employee. They may have a great job. Like, I really don't want to downplay or try to minimize somebody who likes to just have job security and just wants to be an employee. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are plenty of people out there who do not want to live like that. And those are the people that we need to start building businesses and start creating industries and enterprising their ideas into multi-million, multi-thousand, multi-billion, however you see fit and whatever range you want to be in, this is what people need to start doing. And that's entrepreneurship, being self-employed, becoming a businessman, becoming a businesswoman, and um, pretty much paying yourself. So the reason why I became an entrepreneur, first and foremost, um, if you listen to any of the other episodes, you know that I had all of these different types of incomes and all this type of money. And, you know, I was doing my thing and I felt like it was always in me to do that. In contrast, when I look at my entire career uh, for working for people, um, it wasn't really that great of an experience. Now, I will say that I learned a lot. That's one thing I will say, no matter where I worked or how good or bad it was, I always learned something. You know, you learn something every day, you know. So throughout all of the jobs that I went through, you know, it was mostly retail. Um, Like I said, I did some cleaning. But yeah, I worked at uh, Big Lots or something like that. It was called. I worked at Dollar Tree a couple times, like in two states. I worked at Dollar Tree um, in 2007 in Long Island, New York, and then I look. Um, I worked at Dollar Tree in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I worked for who else? I I really forget. I worked for a telemarketing firm. I, yeah, I worked for. Oh, this store in the mall called Track and Trail. Um, that's when I found out Uggs are not winter boots. Uggs are actually surfer boots. Um, If you actually think of Ugg, it was created in Australia. Australia doesn't really have much snow, now does it? No, but there are plenty of surfers out there and people who go to the beach and people who have cold feet once the breeze hits their feet when they get out of the water. So why not wear a pair of Uggs to warm your feet back up? It's just basically to keep your feet at 98.6 or to regulate your temperature. You dig what I'm saying? It's not necessarily a boot that fights snow or the bitter cold. You dig? Um, you don't see many people wearing those types of shoes in like really, really cold places. You know what I'm saying? Other than it just being for fashion. You know, I've seen people wear mini skirts and shorts in the wintertime just for fashion's sake or whatever reason. You dig? Anyway, that's that. So I worked at all of these places and I hated it. You know, at the end of the day, I either got fired or I quit. Um, And that just let me know that, you know, I was on the right path to just seek my own forms of income and start making money for myself. And I should be the one doing what my managers and district managers and regional managers were doing. It was become a manager, become a regional manager, become a CEO, become a business owner. Right. So that's what I did, you know, from a very young age. Um, 
and it was nothing but great for me, man. I had ups and downs as well. I had those times where I was like, man, bump this. I don't really want to do this no more. It's too hard and all of that. And I've had moments where I'm like, yo, I'm never doing nothing else. Like, so I've had all of the peaks and valleys of being an entrepreneur. And, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. It's way more freedom, way more independence. And you can just dictate their life way more. And I think that's what a lot of people want. You know, when you look at people with your quote unquote or your uh, your contemporary good job, you know, good wages, you get good benefits, good time off and stuff like that. So you got a bunch of vacation time. Those people are relatively happy with their lives. You know what I'm saying? They're not really complaining that they got to work eight, nine, ten hours a day. Um, they have stable accounts and stable households. They live in you know, nicer communities and stuff like that, it's not that bad. So when you're, you know, on the flip side, when you're looking at it from an entrepreneur's perspective, you would have to understand that being able to be that free as an employee, you you know, you're twice as free as an entrepreneur, especially when your businesses are making, you know, good money. So it definitely does allow you to see the world a little bit different to where the rules that the average employee has to follow, you don't have to follow. You follow a different set of rules. It's not that you don't you know, follow rules at all. You just follow a different set of rules. And those rules even still let you do a lot more because of the responsibility you have. You know what I'm saying? With great power comes great responsibility. So, you know, that's an automatic. On a community level, I feel like entrepreneurs are extremely important. Um, one of the things that we are definitely learning uh, more and more every day, and I don't know, I was thinking the other day, and I don't know if it's because of the Trump administration or Trump himself or the way the media has manipulated minds for so long that there's just been a bunch of people who has just been just drawing back from certain things or just totally reacting to things. And or maybe it's just time, right? Maybe it's just all of the people that were teenagers and young adults in the Obama years are now 22, 24, 25, 26, you know, almost 30 year olds and stuff like that, right? So I see people, you know, that I consider my peers are becoming more active in the things that they want done in this country. And it just um, lets me know that entrepreneurship is gonna be one of those main things. Uh, once everybody stops arguing about the news and once everybody stops, you know, being distracted by the news, what's gonna really matter is job opportunities and that's only going to happen if we open up businesses in our community and what that is going to take is entrepreneurs right so for the community entrepreneurs are extremely important take a look around if you live in you know an inner city area or you know what they call the black community or the hood or the ghetto you know you look around and you see a bunch of abandoned homes abandoned buildings abandoned lots with garbage in them etc etc Entrepreneurs are going to be the ones, you know, coupled with the contractors and the, um, junk removal professionals and interior decorators, uh, architects, you name it. Those are going to be the people coupled with the entrepreneurs that are going to be changing the landscape of these communities when we build it up. To even have these businesses, you want to be able to have somebody that can draw up a nice building or a nice in, uh, interior layout for your store to attract more customers. Make sure your exterior looks good. Make sure it's attractive. Uh, makes uh, the you know the property value go up in your neighborhoods. So entrepreneurs are going to be the ones opening these businesses. 
once you open up these businesses in the community, now you're able to hire the community. Now you're able to help the employment problem by making it easier for people to get jobs. They don't have to wait for Home Depot or Lowe's or Walmart or Target or McDonald's or Wendy's or somebody like that to give them a job. They can work in their community. And what that does is the ripple effect is that, first of all, transportation and shipping costs are much, much lower, meaning that they don't have to pay as much. Maybe they can walk, maybe they can ride a bike, use a carpool because people in the neighborhood who live around each other actually work at the same building or work in the same business. So they'll be carpooling. People will be more susceptible to uniting and working together because their business is opening up in their community. Uh, it'll become safer because the more money an area creates, the more friendly, I would say, or the more attentive police activity you'll have. And what that means is when you have a place where it's prosperous, the police are not there to be your enemy or to uh, impose excessive force on you because you can hold them way more accountable when you actually own property in these places. When you actually own the real estate in these neighborhoods and these communities, you have the say-so of what goes down in front, inside, in the back of your business. And if you do not want excessive force from police officers, you as a business owner, you as a real estate owner can go to your local government. And this is not just because you're a business owner, of course, but you do have more clout because you are offering something to the community. So if you, as business owners, see people being abused by police and things like that, you can hold these people accountable as pillars of the community, as people who generate income for and from the community. You can be like, this will not be stood for, and even employ your own security, maybe uh, army veterans. You can hire army veterans. You can hire you know, people who have a license to carry, or of course, create your own security company where you train uh, people to you know use certain tactics, hand-to-hand -hand combat, weapons, etc., etc. Now you have a safer community. Now you're holding the police accountable. Now you have your own police department. Now you have your own security businesses, right? So that's just even more entrepreneurship taking over the corruption going on in the neighborhood. Once you have more businesses in the neighborhood, that's when you see the drug activity in the, the black market of drugs start to decrease because people do not need to sell drugs when they have a good job. You know, like I said earlier, once you have a good job, you're secure, you're fine, you can pay your bills, you can go on trips, you can, you know, do what you want to do in life without having that financial, you know, strain on you, right? So nine times out of 10, people are selling drugs because of a financial strain. You know, they may be working at McDonald's or something, or, you know, they're, they don't have a good enough education, or they just want that extra cash. And they know getting tax-free money in their mind is the best way to go, which is also a form of entrepreneurship, very negative. But if that person that's selling drugs would use that entrepreneurial spirit for something legal, that money will last longer and they won't end up in jail or dead because of it. Because you're able to offer these people that would be committing crimes and selling drugs jobs, that decreases the amount of drugs being sold in the community. Also, when you have business owners who are able to conduct seminars and job training programs in the neighborhoods, that allows children and young adults to be able to be prepared for the workforce, to be prepared to work in particular or specific businesses or for specific trades, and that allows them to have those skills without maybe even going to college, which saves hundreds of thousands of dollars as you've seen, where the average 
student loan debt is about like 33,000 right now. That's a lot of money just to be in debt, right? So entrepreneurship transforms communities. It means a lot. And once we start grasping this concept more and more, cause you'll see them, you see certain places. You know, I was um, recently hip to Thomas Sowell, a black educator, you know, real big on economics and um, culture in America and how it relates to race and intellect and a whole bunch of things. And one of the things that he was saying that, you know, during the Renaissance era where you hear about all of the greatest, you know, jazz musicians and painters and business owners and all of this stuff, a lot of the people who were dominating were West Indian and African black people. And that is based upon the culture of finance and education. You know, those are cherished in those cultures. Those are things that have to happen in order for you to prosper in these cultures. They promote this type of behavior. So you'll see that now and today. You'll see the Jamaican food spots open or you'll see the, you know, the African clothing shops or you'll see the African diners or something like that. Or you'll even see a whole, you know, an enclave of Caribbean or African blacks living in any given, you know, black community or whatever. And those people are thriving as much as they can. Now, if we start incorporating these types of dollars with one another, start circulating them more, raising the standard of the products that we sell, we see a huge increase of uh, businesses, the quality of business, the quality of products, all of these things tend to increase once we get more patronage and once we get more money uh, into the community via entrepreneurship. Now, entrepreneurship also deals with real estate and being able to you know, buy up property and be able to renovate them, rehab them to make them look good. So in the same way that we're building businesses, there will be a business that builds homes. So that's still in a realm of entrepreneurship. We're gonna need real estate development companies. We're gonna need real estate agencies, uh, insurance, you know, home insurance, you know, just insurance agencies, period. We're gonna need uh, inspectors. We're gonna need appraisers. We're gonna need brokers of all kinds, right? All of this is the type of business we need to be able to start buying and selling each other homes and, and you know, still owning the block, as they say, or buying the block. So that's just as important, being able to buy up these properties and rent them out, sell them, lease them, etc. That's all and still in the same vein of entrepreneurship. So now we have a beautiful um, community. We have a secure community. We have employed people and everybody is having a higher uh, standard of living. And um, when I was saying, I was reading in, you know, Thomas Sowell's book, you know, you hear about all of these stories about how it only took 10 years for like the Chinese and certain developed countries like that to come up out of poverty. I'm talking about millions of people, hundreds of millions of people. And now when we're talking about the black community in America, in, in America, this capitalistic system where you can literally make money, you know, you can make a billion dollars from a website, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If black people were to pull their money together, that trillion dollars that we um, spend every day, if we truly honestly pulled our money together, and I'm not saying this as an exaggeration, like we honestly all could be making six to seven figures, every last one of us, every last one of us, because of how strong that trillion dollars is amongst just 44 million people and growing. To give you some uh, perspective, Russians are 
1% of the American population. And they have a trillion dollars. And they, I don't know how much they spend amongst each other, but it will behoove them to do the same thing if they're not doing what I'm advising as far as entrepreneurship. But I would have to assume that there are Russian enclaves and there's Russian communities that are thriving and doing their thing because it's only 1% of the population and they are spending about a trillion dollars as well. So if we're gonna really look at that trillion dollars and we're looking at entrepreneurship and the possibilities in the community, you know, we definitely see, you know, what what black America or what these urban areas could look like if we just focus our money on entrepreneurship and building up our areas. So I'm pretty sure you're wondering, like, how do you get started? How do we become an entrepreneur? Well, the first step before you do anything, I'm sorry, not even saying I'm sorry. You shouldn't be <laughs> upset that you have to do this, but you have to do your education. You have to go through the education process. And I will tell you this, the education process is throughout your entire life. But you're going to need some type of knowledge, some type of preliminary knowledge before you start. Because the more knowledge you have on the onset of what you're doing, the better equipped you'll be throughout your entire career. You know, it's just preparing for what you need to do. That's what we know to do. That's what education is for. That's what training is for. So you want to get hit to things like the Small Business Administration, of course. You know, that's pretty much the people who run the show as far as the laws pertaining to small businesses. So you want to know, you know, how they operate, what laws you have to abide by, taxes and things like that. Um, and of course, this episode is more so for people who are really trying to get serious with this. You know, no disrespect to anybody who have um, like websites that you're just selling merch on and stuff like that. Like. Get your entrepreneurship on, like, I, I, I say start there, you know what I'm saying? Still do your education, but, yeah, try to go the most cost-effective route right now. You know, try a free website where you can sell your stuff. Yes, start to make that scratch, but as you get more serious and as you're trying to, you know, turn your website into an actual business, this is what you're going to really need to start doing. So, focus on, you know, the laws, learn the laws. Of course, you don't have to know them by heart. But, you know, get in tune with the people who govern small businesses and, and um, things that go along that route of owning a business. Another form of the education process would be to learn from and observe other business owners. You know, people in your community, if you can, if they have brick and mortar businesses, you can go there, interview them, ask them all the pertinent questions. You know, what is your overhead? You know, how hard is it to uh, open a business? What are certain things that you made a mistake on? What are certain things you would uh, not do or do again? If you could, you definitely want to learn from their mistakes. One of the key things that I learned throughout life is you definitely want to learn from the mistakes. Learn from other people's mistakes. Learn from your mistakes. Those go a long way. So you want to ask them all of those pertinent questions, pertinent questions, and you make sure you, you, know, you write them down or you record them in some way and keep them in your mind so you'll know. You dig what I'm saying? So you just want to survey them and get as much data as you can. You want to talk to as many business owners as you can. Um, you definitely want to search and study particularly the things that you're pursuing. So if you're trying to sell uh, teas or if you're trying to sell um, candles, let's just say you're trying to sell candles, you want to look at other companies who sell candles. You want to look at other websites who sell candles, check out their prices, 
check out their ingredients, check out their um, policies, check out um, the manufacturers of candles, check out all of the things that coincide with candle making. You know, check out all of the side effects of burns or whatever, the glass that the candles are going to come in. Look at everything that, you know, has to do with the candle industry. You know, definitely if um, customers are even liking candles right now, what's the climate as far as sales overall, you want to look at the industry and then um, make your decision on whether you want to pursue this industry or not. This process is to basically find out what you like to do or what's interesting to you or what's profitable to you or what you know you see is profitable well, i know people like time millionaire he says that you know a lot of people say you know find what you love and then make a living off of it which is a good you know way of doing it but maybe maybe just maybe you'll find something that you don't like to do but because it makes a lot of money if you educate yourself on it i promise you you will be more interested in it you know once you start seeing the money or once you start seeing the potential of the money coming in from this particular industry you may want to keep it going and educate yourself on it right so that's what this process is about finding what you like what you don't like and what's lucrative and what's not lucrative then you want to have your business plan i'm pretty sure all of your teachers or somebody has told you about a business plan you need to write a business plan you know what I'm saying it's actually one of the most important documents you're going to have for your business especially in the beginning stages right your business plan basically tells the story of your business why it even should be a real thing why is it even worth people's time why people should even give a damn about what you have to offer the economy business plans usually have the timeline between three to five years or five to ten years depending on the type of person that you are <laughs> if you have that type of foresight and it's what you use in another part of this episode we're going to talk about when it comes to investors or when it comes to trying to get people on board to you know have your maybe it's a product that you want to have on shelves and stores or maybe it's something that you want people to uh, get involved with on a, in a, on a community level um, any type of presentation about your business you want to have this business plan that's what this business plan is for you have to compile all of the research that you did in the education process so if it was candles now you have your business plan what you want your candles to be about what you want your candle business to be about what the candle climate economically is if people are buying candles candle sales from the past five years past ten years um, you have all of that type of information. You compare and contrast that to what your projections are for the sales, what your projections are for the business, the reception of the general public of the country and the world, if you choose. And that will be your first impression whenever you're doing these presentations to people. Always remember that when you're pitching your business plan or when you're conducting your business plan um, presentation, you always want to make sure that you leave a lasting impression on people. Um, to, to want to invest in you. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Now, you've got your business plan. You got all your education, right? Now it's time to start implementing some things like hiring professionals to make sure that you don't go to jail or go broke. So, one of the people that I follow, uh, a guy by the name of Jerem Person Lynn. So, I hope I'm saying his name right. <laughs> um, 
He runs the business called the Brass Knuckle Finance University. Very, very good website. You guys should definitely follow them. Go to their website. They have great, great financial information. I get a lot from them. Um, I learned a lot from them. Um, and what Jerem says, uh, a Jerem, Jerem, I'm sorry, bro. I'm chopping, butchering your name. But what he says is you should have a business attorney, a trademark attorney, an accountant, a graphic web designer, a PR manager, and an insurance broker before, you know, you really take your business any further. You need those at the very least. And I agree. You know, he says that you should keep these lawyers on retainer just in case you have any large lawsuits and uh, have it on a flat fee structure. You know what I'm saying? Where it's just one price for your for their services uh, for your business. Um, make sure that you have those things on deck. If you're not protecting yourself with the law, you will be railroaded. You will be litigated to the depths of hell. You will be broke. Your name will be trash. You may even do some time. You do not want to be at the wrong end of these lawsuits when it comes to business, okay? I know a lot of people only know one type of court or one type of situation that people go to court for, which is usually criminal. There are plenty of civil cases that cause billions and billions of dollars, millions of dollars, thousands of dollars, however, and it can ruin people. So make sure you have a good business lawyer. Make sure you have a good insurance broker make sure you have a good team of professionals financial advisors legal team you need those things if you're going to be big you have to do big and that's just how it goes any big company if you try to sue any of these companies for any amount of reasons for anything you're going to have to go through their legal team and their business team and their financial they're going to have to consult with their financial team that's just how it goes right now speaking of finances Speaking of having these people be hired for your business, I'm sure you're wondering, how am I gonna fund my entrepreneurship? How am I gonna fund or finance my business? So, there's several ways you can do this. Now, first and foremost, you can bootstrap it. You know, we can get that out the way. Bootstrapping is basically you, your job that you're working at right now, and saving up to open your business. Whether it be 20 grand, 50 grand, 60 grand, 100 grand, you're gonna save up that much money, open up your business, work it, maybe quit your job or work your job simultaneously until you your business takes off to the point that you can't work at that job anymore. And then boom, you're out of here, right? I encourage bootstrapping. It's less debt in the long run. I encourage bootstrapping because it's just off your muscle, particularly to these people who have a quote unquote good job, who are making a good salary and you're able to save at a higher rate or just you know more money at a time most definitely bootstrap it <laughs> most definitely bootstrap it but of course of course this is america okay america loves debt america loves good and bad debt i only love good debt and good debt is basically debt that is going to be paid back in a predetermined amount of time based upon a good risk to reward ratio so if i ask you for a hundred dollars and it looks like I don't have it, or it looks like I won't be able to pay you back in any amount of time, or before it gets bad, because you're gonna be charging me interest for that $100, that would be bad debt that I'm in. Because I had no business asking for money that I knew I could not pay back. That is bad debt. However, if I have 
a business plan, a team of people that are working with me. If I have a business name, if I have my business you know, up and running, and I ask for a certain amount of money, maybe 60 grand, 100 grand, to fund my business to take it to the next level, because if it gets this funding, it will push out this much, it'll have this much output, this much input, this much profit, this much revenue, this much potential loss. You gotta put your losses in there, your, your potential losses, you gotta put them in there just to be truthful, 360 when it comes to your truth. That would be a better investment. Yes, I will be in I will be in debt to these people, but because of that, I'll be able to be at the next level by the time it's time to call my tab. So yes, you have given me $60,000, but by the time it's time for me to pay it, let's just say in 10 years, five years, I have accrued millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars and I can easily pay you back or I've been paying you back monthly, bi-monthly, bi-weekly, and by the time I'm making hundreds of thousands of dollars, I've already, I've already cleared my debt and I'm good, my business is solid and I can keep it going. Or I can ask for another 60 grand, or I can ask for 500,000 now because the investment was solid, right? You know, we talked about that in the investment episode. So, you have small business loans. <clears throat> well, from what I was reading, small business loans aren't that, aren't that plentiful aren't that bountiful. They're not really uh, throwing them out there like that. Now, I know there are a lot of people who do not like loans. Uh, it's, you know, it's a whole debt thing that they do not like, but like I just went through that entire presentation about good and bad debt, you know, you can use it for your benefit if you know what you're doing. Do not, honestly, I'm serious, y'all. Do not go into debt if you do not have a way to pay it back and you are not confident in your ability to pay it back, I don't care if it's $5, do not ask for a loan or any type of money from somebody if you are not confident that you can pay them back, especially by the time you told them you were gonna pay them back, okay? So, you get you a small business loan, those average between like 30,000 to $5 million, depending on your type of business. Um, these are also contingent upon the people or the agency. This one is would be through the, of course, the Small Business Administration. Depending on what your business is, your business plan is, how much money the business is made, et cetera, et cetera, they will give you some money. Now, there are some other alternatives than going to the Small Business Administration. You can go to smartbizloans.com, their average loan, about 30,000 to 5 million as well. You can go to ondeck.com. There is uh between uh there is 5,000 to 250,000 um and they actually give up to $100,000 in a line of credit. Um so those are another way that you can go. Now loans, of course they have their ups and downs. You got your interest rates, you got all of these things, right? The ones I just named, they uh advertise that they have the best interest rates. Um, I am not a promoter of their businesses, so that's not my job to promote their prices. You gotta give you a website, right? <laughs> Go there and check them out. Loans are cool if you know what you're doing, like I said. So, you can go to these websites, get you some scratch if you got a good business, and then, you know, do right by them after that. Now, there's another thing that you can do, it's called the micro loan. And that's just, uh, um, a way to get amounts of money is a little bit smaller, it's a little bit more private, um, and it's not as uh, regulated as uh, small business loans. 
you can go to a bunch of websites that provide micro loans and stuff like that. And if you qualify, of course, you will get the bread. A lot of them say that you are qualified on the spot. Of course, a lot of people say that, so be wary of that. Um, yes, they do check your credit. Uh, a lot of the, all of these agencies usually, or most of these agencies, I don't know which one does and which one doesn't, but a lot of these agencies do check your credit. So if your credit is not the best, they will try to work with you. If not, then of course you got to go somewhere else and you know do your thing. So a couple of websites you can go to is uh, Fundera.com. I learned about those people. They give out micro loans. It's like a thirteen thousand dollar average. There, um, you can go to powerhomebiz.com slash microloan dash providers. Uh, you can go to trustleaf.com. Now, Trustleaf, it's a crowdfunding microloan platform where you send private invitations and requests to friends and family. So you're not necessarily broadcasting it all over the internet like with GoFundMe or something like that. You're going around people in your community and your family, um, and they will contribute a lot of people use websites like this or use tactics like this because it's more of a communal thing like i said in the beginning of the episode you know once the community is involved you'll have more people wanting to protect it you'll have more people appreciating it you'll have more people wanting it to thrive and survive so when your uncle your mom and your dad your cousins and your friends your classmates your co-workers and you know all these other people that are getting involved with your business and and and, and um supporting it financially of course they're going to want to see their investment go a long way you know they want to see their funds go a long way you know you have people who give the charities and stuff like that who they don't even give 10 percent of their proceeds to the cause you know think about that you know let's take a pause like for real that just just saying it out loud made me think like yo before you start giving away your money to these charities and i know it's going to sound crazy but before you think about sending, spending money with these charities that only give a very, very small amount of their proceeds to the actual cause that they're fighting for, please, please donate to your friends and family's businesses first and foremost, okay? The more entrepreneurs we have, the less problems that we have to even fight for. So make sure that you are, if you're giving your money to Red Cross, if you're giving your money to all these other find a cure places, Please make sure you guys are funding your friends' businesses and make sure you're patronizing them consistently and constantly. You dig what I'm saying? So Trustly is one of those platforms that you guys can use to get money from your friends and family without it being such a charity case and it looks crazy and you can actually present your ideas and your business to your friends and family and it looks more official that way. So definitely look out for uh, Trustly. If you are already selling on PayPal, PayPal has a platform that, that is called Working Capital, and it works the same way. PayPal loans you the money, and what it is, because they are not charging any fees or anything like that, no uh, late fees, no repayment, or you know any type of schedules and nothing crazy, they just take a percentage out of the sales uh, of your PayPal account, and you just pay them off gradually. Now, that's for loans, right? That's for the loans. That's for people to just give you money and you pay them back later when you had it. The next step or the another avenue that you guys can get funding from would of course be investors. I'm telling you, a lot of the things that we learn on this podcast are gonna coincide with each other. You know, because money is as money does, you dig? So yes, investors, investors, 
as an amateur investor, I guess I'll call myself, I am um, getting more and more versed in the importance of investing. And honestly, out of all the modes of getting money for your business, next to bootstrapping, of course, um, I feel like investing is the best one. Um, because it's not just a form of giving money for something and um, just getting paid back. When you have an investor, investors do just that. They're invested in the business. So they take part in the process of building the business up. They take part into helping the business owners maximize profitability, to maximize exposure, maximize their audience, maximize their product, make sure that the, the quality of the business gets higher and higher. You dig? Um, you have several different types of investors. I know a lot of people have been seeing um, the term angel investor pop up a lot when you start talking about crowdfunding and stuff like that. So I did a couple, uh, so I did some digging, of course, on the internet to try to bring some resources back. And of course, these details will be in the show notes. Um, what angel investing is for people who don't know. It's pretty much people who um, who can anonymously um, give money to startups or new business owners, entrepreneurs to open, start, or keep going a business of their choosing. You know, it's plenty of websites that people go to um, to start leaving money to pitch their business to put it up there, and it really works well. It's growing right now. A lot of people are realizing the power. Uh, between themselves um, a lot more people are trying to put their destinies in their own hands so you'll see a lot of more apps doing this type of stuff you'll see a lot more um, freedom amongst the uh, the tech world you know when it comes to making your own money and stuff like that like you have apps like Robinhood where you can actually trade stocks you know on your phone and buy stocks and sell stocks from your phone it's a very easy app. It's a free sign up. I think that's going to be one of the major things when it comes to these finance apps and finance uh, mobile extensions is that you can sign up for free, free month trial, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what you know makes it more accessible. A lot of people don't have to go to these you know, stuffy offices anymore. They can send an email, send a text message, send money electronically. Um, so it's going to be a lot easier to do business with each other as time progresses. I'm pretty sure you guys have even seen the Amazon store where you not even <laughs> have to, you don't even have to like check out or pay money. It's just connected to your Amazon account. You walk in, put stuff in your bag, and walk out. It's already paid for. So that's going to be the future. Um, so having these places is, is, is very good. Now, um, one of the places that I found was Gust. And Gust is a uh, investor platform where people, like I said, can put their businesses up and um, investors can choose whether or not they want to invest in them. So you guys can look into that. Another one is a uh, fundingpost.com. Check them out. Um, the website is not as like sleek or clean as you would normally see for like uh, the newer websites, 2017, 21st century type. <laughs> website like it's not like an archaic like it's not like 
you know, Stone Age website, but you know, it's not as streamlined and, and as clean as Gust. That was one thing that did stick out to me. But they are, you know, they have reviews. They have people who have done business with them, and nobody's complaining. So I'm not going to complain. There was um, another thing that I found called the Minority Angel Investor Network. Now, I'm always down for institutions and businesses created by blacks or urban communities to help further the development, growth, and enrichment of these communities. But when I looked up the MAIN, the Minority Angel Investor Network, um, I couldn't find much. I saw a bunch of other websites raving about it and um, I couldn't get anything you know, concrete from them. So I would say, you know, step light with that. If they have like a branch or a, a local headquarters in your area, look them up um, and see if, you know, if they're still operating. I would love for them to be. Um, so look them up and see if they're still shaking. Um, so that's still on the list. Um, another thing that I found out when I was just perusing uh, through the internet was a Black Enterprise article and it was titled the top 20 black angel investors and i went through them and you know you guys should go uh look into that too you know if you have a certain business uh that you think would uh benefit you know the people and benefit yourself you know look into contacting investors directly and that brings me into my next type of investor and my next point which is the actual investment firms the actual venture capitalist firms the actual offices that you're going to need to be walking into when you want an investment now when it comes to presenting your business to investors need you need you need to understand a few key things you first of all you need to show that you are actually passionate about what you're telling them you need to show that you're committed to what you're doing you need to show them that you have put in tremendous work on your own and and you are promoting or presenting your business to them to be an asset to each other. Not that you need them, not that you're behind on payments, not that, you know, sales ain't that good right now. And I feel like if I had more money, this would be this. Show them that with all of the resources that you have as a business owner, that you've been doing everything in your power to make sure your business is top notch and A1 in that the money that you'll be getting from them would be to help further the business, not to get you out of debt, not to pay bills or anything like that. You know, you wanna show them that your business is fine on its own, that if you walked out of that office without any money from them, they would still see your business somewhere a year or two down the line. Because regardless if they helped you or invested in you or not, your business has a at least 75% chance, 75 chance of surviving without their investment. You want them to know that. You want them to see the confidence. You want them to see the quality of your business and the quality of your product or the product or the quality of your service. Investors can spot weakness in the tone of your voice. They can spot weakness in the way you shift your eyes and the way you shift your hands, your body language, the inflection in your voice. They pick up on a lot of these, you know, signals sometimes you know, directly or some, you know, sometimes consciously, sometimes just subconsciously. They know the type of personality traits that they're looking for. They know which ones to avoid. And you do not want to be on the wrong side of that. You do not want to be the avoidable uh, pitchers. You definitely want to be one of the people that they 
hear the story of your business, hear your story, hear your plan for your business for the next three to five to 10 years. And they should be confident, just as confident as you. Okay, nobody's going to sell your business better than you. You have to be the number one person. And then when you have these investors come in, let's just say you do get a solid investment of $50,000, $100,000, a million dollars, whichever it is, you would be breaking your investor off with a piece of that pie. You know, think of it like this. When you have your own business, right? It's just you, maybe just you and your partner. And you got a small pie, but you have 100% of that small pie. You get an investor involved and here comes more flour, here comes more dough, here comes a bigger pie. Now, instead of having 100% of this bigger pie, the investor takes a nice piece of it you know, or a third or 33%. So now you have your 66% with you and your partner. He may, you know, you guys may split it down the middle. So that's 33.3, 33.3, 33.3, three ways, right? So now everybody's eating up, but the pie is bigger. So instead of having 100% of a little bit, you have 33% of a lot of it, (laughs) right? So that's what happens. Now, you do not want to flood your business with investors to the point to where you're losing control of your business, unless that's what you want. There are people who get voted out of their own businesses all the time via their board of directors and things of that nature. And if that's the route that you want to go, then God bless. But I'm pretty sure a lot of people who have put their blood, sweat and tears into creating businesses do not want to just be voted out by a bunch of investors or voted out by a bunch of people that did not put the blood, sweat and tears or even recognize the blood, sweat and tears that went into this business. So make sure you're cool on the investors. Now, the same thing with the loans, though, you still got to pay them back still be an interest but they also have ownership in the company. And if investor is any good or he's worth his salt out here, if he's worth his weight in gold, he will make sure that business thrives and survives for years and years to come. So make sure you guys, you know, look into the right type of investing and the right type of financing for your business. So now let's recap. We got an idea. We have the education for business. We have a business plan. We have our hired professionals. We have our finances together. We have our investors together. Now we're running our business. Now we're selling stuff. Now we're making stuff. Now we're doing all types of services. What have you when it comes to whatever business that you're pursuing. Now here comes the 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 hard part right not even the hard part you got to go through all of the boring stuff this is the boring stuff your taxes making sure your papers and all you know all of that is in order just like having your business attorneys and stuff like that you got to make sure your books are straight make sure your books are straight keep your numbers tight make sure your reports is on point make sure your numbers and the things that you're reporting are on point for taxes and record keeping all together There have been plenty of people who have been thinking they're doing the right thing, paying taxes and stuff like that, and it's the wrong type of tax or it's going going through the wrong avenues, and they railroad you in these courtrooms, man. They will get you for all types of evasions and 
all types of bad things that can ruin you. So make sure your paperwork and your affairs is always in order when it comes to your business. Make sure your numbers are straight and your higher professionals are doing their thing. You dig what I'm saying? So another quote unquote boring thing <laughs> that people have to do with or make sure that they're on the top of is customer service, yo. You have to be able to make sure that you're reaching out to your customer base the best way you know how. So a few tips that I've gotten from certain entrepreneurs, marketers, advertisers, investors, and things of that nature that I've talked to personally, uh, they tell they shared a few gems with me. They shared a few uh, just ideas and su suggested things to me to be able to make sure I maintain a relationship with my maintain a relationship with my customer base and make sure that my business is seeing more um, new customers as well and that my customers are satisfied. Customer satisfaction is, is, is absolutely important. You have to have your customer satisfied. So one of my good friends, Ali Shakur, told me that when it comes to an online business, and I'm pretty sure that if you're running a business in 2017, I advise you to get a website, of course. So when you have a website and you're selling stuff, right, or you're just offering services, you want to have a newsletter. And what newsletters are, are just periodic things that your business sends out to your customers. So what you would do is, you on your website, you would have a plugin or some type of um, uh, some type of uh, HTML to where people can sign up via email, you know, because I mean, you guys already put your payment information and stuff through these websites already. So every time your business has a new promotion, every time your business has a new sale or it's going through something, you guys can send out email blasts to people to make sure that all of the customers um, are well hit to it. You can make sure all of your customers are hit to it, make sure all of your customers are aware about it so that way you're not trying to make sure you in, uh, contact every individual customer that you've ever dealt with to make sure that you have a promotion make sure that they know that you have a sale or a promotion going on and um another thing you can do when it comes to these newsletters and email uh signups is that you can give out surveys and what surveys are good for of course is just getting that type of feedback from your customers pertaining to your products or pertaining to your service or just pertaining to your business overall. So you'll create a survey asking them to rank you and rank um, the things that they experience with doing business with you. Um, ask them what they liked, what they didn't like. Ask them what you can improve on. Ask them what they like the most out of your experience. Ask them what they didn't like. And then just compile that feedback to make sure that you, you know, change your business accordingly. A lot of businesses, you know, pay millions and billions of dollars to learn this type of information. <laughs> you dig? Um, so make sure that you are in tune with your customer base for show. And that would definitely show uh, up to be more sales, more people getting involved and more people shopping with you. Um, another thing that you can do with that, of course, is email about promotions and sales. Um, even to the point that people who sign up may get the exclusive or type of promotional deals that the average customer wouldn't get because they didn't sign up. That would encourage people, more people to sign up for your newsletter. That would encourage more people to be involved with the surveys. That would encourage people to be more involved with your website overall, especially if you're selling products and you have like a blog or a podcast or videos attached to it as well. 
that'll get more people involved with your content. And of course, you'll be able to send out that content, you know, through emails as well. If you drop a new blog post, you can write an email about that and that just be blasted throughout um, your customer base. Now, when um, things go wrong, you know what I'm saying? Like business is not perfect. I can tell you as a business owner, things have gotten messed up in the mail. Things have come late, you know, on our end. So things went late to our customers. You know, you got to deal with the good and you have to deal with the bad. And um, one of the major things that we do when we deal with bad situations, we always try to compensate with um, some type of promotional gift, you know, like a free product or a handwritten note or, you know, a, a full refund or a gift card or something like that to make sure that we appreciate them for sticking with us through the troubling times and that we um, do not want to lose their business and that we, you know, couldn't be anything without them. So just to show that you, to show that you care about your customers, to show that you care about the integrity of your business in the name of your business in the homes of people you do write by them when things go wrong right so if something spills in the mail even if it may not have been your fault you know maybe it was the mailman's fault or delivery man's fault but as a business owner you have to take responsibility for that you have to be accountable for that and with that accountability a lot of people appreciate it i can tell you from experience people are like oh man i didn't even think it was that big of a deal but thank you because you got an extra soap or they got an extra uh sponge or something like that right one of those loofah things <laughs> so people appreciate um being thought of right so now let's, let's go back right we have a business with good customer service we have a business that's been invested in we have a business that high professionals we had a business that of course has a business plan we had a business plan um because we went through the education process and we went through the education process because we wanted to open a business we have all of that what else is missing of course employees employees we have to hire employees we need help we've been doing all of this stuff on our own outside of our cpas and our lawyers and stuff like that we have been doing most of the work, the CEO, the CFO, the people that started the business. Now, we need people to come out and help us. And we'd be happy to compensate you with capital, with money uh, for your help. Now, on a, I'm not going to say straight and narrow like the other alternatives are not straight and narrow. But for people who want to go the full-on tax withholding W4, W9 type employment that they want to offer people so they can you know actually be having a full-time job under their business you have to go get your EIN which is your employer identification number and you will be getting that from the IRS which is the government which is you know yeah right you got to do everything by the books you got to make sure that you're good you do not want to be jammed up I do not because honestly <laughs> I don't want any of y'all get jammed up. I know I keep bringing that up, but it's because like it's so easy. Not easy, but when you get jammed up via business, it's real hard for you to like get back up there. You know what I'm saying? So just keep that in mind, especially on the small business level. Big businesses, yeah, they got huge legal teams and all of that other stuff. But when it comes to these small businesses, man, they really try to eat you alive out there. So just stay woke when it comes to that. So yeah, you'll get your I uh, you get your EIN from the IRS, 
You would need, you know, records and all of that other stuff for withholding taxes. You would need to uh, obtain workers' compensation insurance, uh, report new hires to the state directory. Um, you have to satisfy your federal and state tax reporting requirements. So it's a lot of regulation that you got to go through to make sure that you are hiring um, proficiently, to make sure that you're hiring correctly when you have a business. Um, now, of course, there is another way to do this, and this is through freelancers. Freelancers are growing in popularity just because of all the things that I just listed when it comes to the IRS and the government and things of that nature. It's a lot of things that a lot of, <laughs> it's a lot of things that people don't want to deal with until they feel like they have enough money and enough time to actually dedicate to hiring people via government sanctions and things of that nature. So there's a bunch of freelance websites and apps that you can go look through. So if you need somebody to run your social media accounts for your business, if you need somebody to do the graphic design, if you need somebody to do deliveries, if you need somebody to write reports, if you need somebody to do pretty much anything that you need to hire them for, even the things that I listed in the beginning, like an attorney and stuff like that. I doubt that there's freelance attorneys up there, but you can by certainly char, uh, try to see if you find them. And um, freelancers, they come in all shapes and sizes, of course. Um, and they charge different they charge different prices for what they do. Uh, I do have a list of freelancers here, a list of websites, and I will have them in the show notes as well that we're going to uh, share now. That I'm going to just, you know, give you guys. Up first is Upwork. Uh, another one is Guru. Another one is Elance. Another one is Freelancer.com. Another one is uh, 99designs. Uh, PeoplePerHour.com. Demand Media. Get a Coder. I Freelance. Project for Hire. Simply Hired. And outsource.com now i don't know about outsource their website looks a little crazy i don't know if they're still in business or whatnot but those other ones surely should be still in business i think i checked all of them um they all seem to check out so you guys make sure that you you know look into those websites make sure you look into those resources and um you know i think that you guys will find what you're looking for as far as freelance workers for your business so that about wraps it up for this week's episode i appreciate you guys listening again i'm your host doe dubes aka ar morton the show you are jamming to the show the show that you are listening to of course is the money talks podcast shout out to chris hines shout out to chris hines my man, um, again, for this opportunity to be able to help people, help myself, help myself to help people, to be able to make sure that we are going further economically and we're making better financial decisions. So thank you guys again for listening. 